Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. This is Jamie Rosenberg, Assistant Editor for the American Journal of Managed Care. Research has made it clear that where you live, your access to food, and other social determinants play a big role in your health. However, what's not so clear is how to demonstrate the return on investment of initiatives that address social determinants in order to ensure buy-in from stakeholders. To start, there needs to be appropriate quality measures that take social determinants into account. But there's still pushback against those wanting to include these determinants into outcomes measures, which some have said is because the current available data is not granular enough to be able to capture the data needed. While this is still a work in progress, some health systems have started to conduct clinical trials to get some data. For example, Penn Medicine interviewed over a thousand patients and asked what they thought needed to be focused on for their health. Based on the answers, Penn Medicine designed and implemented its impact model, which utilizes community health workers to address the issues raised by patients. The model was tested in three different randomized clinical trials in which it proved to be effective at improving outcomes. The trial results led to investment, which led to the creation of the Penn Center for Community Health Workers. However, once a return on investment is able to be quantified, it's not always easy to know how to communicate this benefit. To this end, we sat down with Dr. Susan Mani, the President of Clinical Transformation and Ambulatory Quality at LifeBridge Health, who discussed LifeBridge's experience with addressing social determinants and the importance of presenting a business case to communicate the ROI of these initiatives. So for LifeBridge, looking at readmissions for congestive heart failure was what really drove you to start addressing social determinants. Can you walk through LifeBridge's experience with this, recognizing the importance of it and what you did to address it? Sure, absolutely. One of the things that we have to address for readmissions was to really try to understand why our patients were getting readmitted in the first place. And when we took a look at our data, congestive heart failure patients had a particularly high rate of readmissions, which really mimics what's happening in the national sphere as well. And as we delve deep into each of our patients for their readmissions, both by interviewing them as well as looking for the reason of readmission from a clinical review, what we were finding is that most patients were not being readmitted because of a clinical issue that didn't happen when they were first hospitalized. What we were finding is the vast majority of our patients were being readmitted because they really didn't have access to care coordination. They really had um, issues with social determinants of health. So that was a big aha moment for us as a health system to say if we don't address this particular arena, we really aren't going to be successful at preventing readmissions. So with that and speaking with our patients and speaking with our clinicians, we really had to start thinking about transportation needs how are patients going to get the medications that they are prescribed? How are they going to get the kinds of foods that they need to help prevent them from coming back into the hospital? How are they going to be able to coordinate with the four or five different physicians that they might have to see after being in the hospital? And even how are they going to manage really from a psychosocial standpoint because they are extremely fragile after a hospital discharge from a clinical standpoint. So we need to really think about them holistically. And how important is it to not just look at endpoint measures such as readmissions, but to also look at process measures like referrals to social services? 
that is critical to success. If you wait and look for what I would call a lagging outcome, like readmissions, you may go months before realizing that the initiatives or programs that you have in place really are not moving the needle. So what we had to do operationally is break it down into specific behaviors, which led to some process metrics that all of our teams could follow. So if we know that we had issues around access, then how well are we doing with our access? Is every patient getting a follow-up appointment within a specified time period? And not only are they getting that appointment on discharge, are they actually getting to that appointment? That really tells us if we're being successful with our measures. Same thing when we were talking about transportation. Which of our patients really had an assessment done to see whether they had transportation issues and did we actually supply them with their transportation needs? Medications is another perfect example. So in all of those, it really led down to what are the specific behaviors that our physicians needed to do and how well are we doing it? What are the specific things our care management teams needed to do and our nurses needed to do? And also for our patients and their families, they're very integral to their own care plan. So how uh, well are we doing in engaging our patients and their families? By looking at those things month to month, we know well ahead of the time of our readmissions how well we're going to do. When it comes to understanding and communicating the return on investment of addressing these determinants, what are some of the biggest barriers to doing so? I think the biggest barrier that we had initially is really trying to figure out how to put dollar amounts to the work that we did. Oftentimes in health systems, we're used to thinking of traditional service lines, cardiology, orthopedics, procedural-based, visit-based, so it very frequently it's easy to use that language. How do you think of it from a population health standpoint or from a care management standpoint? So we really had to tweak the definitions a little bit differently when it came to care coordination uh, events. and. Um, once we created that language, it became a lot easier to show a return on investment. How well were we actually touching our potential patients? Uh, where our patients tiered, so we were thinking about high risk versus rising risk or low risk, because not every patient is going to need the same intensity of care. And then the other thing that we started to look at was the intensity of touch. So for some of our patients, like our high risk patients, they're going to need a lot more intensity of touch, as I call them. So for example, in a clinician's office, you're thinking about follow-up visits. Well, for our care coordination teams, it might mean those phone calls, or it might mean how frequently are they keeping up with the care plan. But all of those are actually touch points that you want to quantify and then what are the referrals to services over time if we have to start thinking about what community resources did we link our patients to how are we getting them back into primary care successfully so they're following up with their physicians all of those are very important when you're calculating your return on investment because that is the true almost RVU in a population health standpoint and once you figure out what you want to address, what are some best practices for ensuring both scalability and sustainability of initiatives? I think one of the first things you really want to do is to understand your population. So it's very easy to have what I call a jello on the wall approach, which you can just throw a lot of different initiatives based on what you read in a recent article, based on what you heard from your best friend from another health system. But if you don't know your population and what your population needs from looking at the data, then it's very easy to go down this rabbit hole and not be able to scale. You can have 25 programs, but still not get to the outcomes that you need. So I think that takes a certain amount of rigor 
trigger and really spending a little time being strategic before you immediately start to operationalize. Once you do that, then you can really start to hone in on what are the specific resources that you need by looking at your programs on a regular basis. So I mentioned process metrics before. By looking at those process metrics, we really can tell where is the intensity of touch really needed? Who is the member of the team that we really need to make sure that we have scalability on? For some of our patients, we're finding it for their clinical needs. We really want to make sure that we have the capacity for our nurses. For others, where it really has to do with a lot of our psychosocial needs, we really want to make sure that our social workers and our community health workers have that type of capacity. And depending on our zip code, depending on which patient population we're looking at, those will be very, very different. Based on that, then you can start to scale. Start with a small population to really, we do pilots all the time. Based on that, we look at process and outcomes metrics very robustly for all of our pilots. And after 90 days, if we really are not getting to where we need, then we have to step back and say, is this program the right program? Do we just need to tweak operationally? Or do we really have to think about something differently? With employers getting more invested in the health of their employees, what are some best practices for getting buy-in from them? I think one of the best things that we have learned is to show a combination of patient stories, which I think really helps folks to understand what social determinants are. Sometimes it can be a buzzword and not everybody really understands what that looks like. So hearing directly from our patients has been extremely powerful. So we do have a number of patient stories to explain to everyone what that looks like because it has a significant impact on patients' lives. And then what we also find is to make sure that we have our return on investment metrics. So we can really show both the patient's stories to have that quality of life and then show how it has an impact on outcomes, whether it be quality metrics, whether it be readmissions, whether it be uh, total cost of care metrics, then the combination of those two really get the engagement of our clinicians, of our senior leadership, of our board members, and obviously also of our clinical operations teams. To learn more about building the case for addressing social determinants of health, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. You can get in touch with us by emailing info at AJMC.com or by following us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And finally, if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Thanks for tuning in.